Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Yeah, give her a round of applause. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Kate obviously was on sabbatical uh, with Ali. <laughs> and um, I think God's amazing, you know. I was just reflecting on this, Kate. And, you know, God downloaded the book to Ali about becoming more intimate with God. Yeah, you know, the lost art of being saved. Who's feeling more intimate already with God after six weeks? Yeah, I know I am. So, but in that three months, he also downloaded into our wonderful Pastor Kate a six-week preaching series on well-being. Okay, so given that our word for the year is be, yeah, so we need to be in the best place we can possibly be in order to do what God has for us to do. And um, Kate's going to be bringing us a a six-week series on, um, so we're going to be looking at our physical, our our relational, our emotional, our vocational, our financial, and our spiritual. There you go, I've been practicing that. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to be looking at all those areas of our well-being. And, you know, it's really important because in order to be in that tip-top condition that we need to be, to be intimate and in the presence and to see the awakening and the renewal, the revival that we're talking about and that we're seeing over in America, we need to be in tip-top condition. And what we don't maintain will deteriorate. Okay, so that's a bit of a strap line. I'll just give you a clue on that for the next six weeks. Okay, so let me just pray for you, Kate. So, Lord, we just thank you for our sister. Yeah, put your hands out, guys. Yeah, we we just thank you for our sister. We thank you for her dedication and her love of you. And, Lord, we thank you that you have downloaded this series into her heart. And, Lord, I pray that every word she speaks will go directly from your heart to our hearts, Lord, that there will be no condemnation in what she has to say, but that the Holy Spirit will convict us where we need convicting, Lord. We love you, Jesus, and we love you, Pastor Kate. Amen. Wow, thank you. If you ever got a brief and you want to give it to someone, give it to her, because she just literally... Do you want to just do the series for me? That's excellent. Thank you very much. Anything we don't maintain eventually deteriorates. Now, somebody sent me a clip yesterday of things that you do in church that people hate, but I'm going to do one of them. Because I want you to repeat this, because this is the strap line for the next six weeks. So if you don't know it yet, you will do by the end. But just say after me, anything you don't maintain will eventually deteriorate. Well done. To deteriorate is the state or action or process of becoming impaired or inferior in quality, function or condition. So if we're deteriorating, it means we're getting worse. It means we're declining, we're decaying, we're failing, we're eroding, we're falling, we're slumping, and we're sliding. Now, as Christians, we're told, aren't we, that we're not born to just survive, we're born to thrive. And we're born to thrive in every single area of our lives. So like Kathy said, over the next six weeks, month and a half, we're going to look at every of our lives. As she said, I'm not going to repeat them. Um, 
Thank you, Kathy. Now, it would be fair to say that there may be some weeks that literally do not apply to you. You might just sit there thinking, yeah, I've got this area all together in, in my, my life. I, I don't need to listen to this. I can switch off. Please don't switch off because the Bible talks about in honor, preferring one another. And there will be somebody near you who hasn't got this area of their life together. And you might be just the person that they need to help them. So don't just think that none of this applies. So we've heard a lot over the pandemic about well-being. Many of us in those couple of years, we faced some really tough challenges. We had to learn how to work from home, which for some of us has become an absolute blessing and we love it. And some people absolutely hated it. Some of you people with children had to learn how to homeschool. And I just thank the Lord that my children were at university and I didn't have to homeschool. Oh Lord. Some of you had to deal with anxiety and fear because of what COVID was and what it was doing. Some of you struggled with illness. Some of you struggled financially because you were laid off. And some of you sadly struggled with the fact that you had loss in your life of family members that you didn't even get to say goodbye to. It was a tough time. And it's still a tough time. And we need to look out for one another and look after one another at the minute is because we're still in a crisis. It's not COVID. I mean, it's still here, but it's not COVID anymore. It's, it's rising fuel, energy, and food prices. But hopefully, this is a well-being series. Hopefully, this series is going to help us to grow. Before Ali and I embarked on our sabbatical, there was one thing that we were really adamant that wasn't going to happen to us. We were adamant that we were going to come back to you bigger and better people than we were before we left you. And so we didn't want any, any area of our lives to deteriorate. So we would still set an alarm and we would still make sure that we hit the gym, which unfortunately is in our house. All you've got to do is stumble down the stairs. We, we wanted to make sure that we maintained a good diet and that we ate some nice food, but that we ate balanced and we didn't put on loads of weight, which we are both very prone to doing. And we just basically wanted to make sure that every area of our life was in check. So we came back to you as a gift, not as a burden. No surprise then that six weeks into the sabbatical, with the download coming from heaven for this one to write a book, the devil tries to take him out. What does the word say? Do not be unaware of the enemy's schemes. A lot of people would text me, so I'm so sorry to hear about Hallie. I hope you're all right. And I was, do you know what? I wasn't worried at all. Not once did I think, oh my goodness, what is going on? Not once. I had an absolute utter peace because I knew exactly what it was. And look at him. What a fine specimen of a man he is. <laughs> Nothing wrong with him. I think he just did it to get some more time off at the end of his sabbatical, but there you go. So this morning, as I said, we're going to concentrate on the physical. We're going to concentrate on our bodies. And if you're taking notes, the sermon title today is Bodylicious. There you go. And remember the series title. The series title is Use It or Lose It. Okay? Use your body well or lose it. Whatever area we go into, it's about using it or losing it. Because whatever we don't maintain eventually deteriorates. Oh, they're getting it. This is good. Now, obviously, the older we get in the natural, the more our bodies start to go downhill a bit. Gravity actually starts to fail some of us that are older. I don't know how that works. I've hit middle age, 
And I finally feel like I've got my head around a lot of stuff, but now my body is starting to uh, do things that it didn't used to do. But there's plenty that we can do to maintain and improve these bodies that we've got. So here's some words the opposite of deteriorate. These words describe how we should be. These are much nicer. So the opposite of deteriorate, improve, advance, get better, develop, grow, heal, increase, strengthen, refine, enrich, upgrade, perfect, take step forwards, make strides, turn the corner, bounce back, gain ground, make progress, be on the up, make headway, and get back on our feet. Anybody up for a bit of that instead of the deterioration bit? Absolutely. Well, let's believe for that over the next six weeks. Let's believe that list is actually becoming, going to become apparent in our lives as we choose just to apply the wisdom of God to these areas that we're going to look at. So are you ready? Let's do this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 to 24 says, Now may the God of peace and harmony set you apart, making you completely holy. And may your entire being, spirit, soul, and body be kept completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. The one who calls you by name is trustworthy and will thoroughly complete his work in you. So here's a question for you. When Paul says our spirit, soul, and body be kept completely flawless until Jesus comes. How do we keep this thing flawless? Has anyone ever even sat and thought on that? I know I hadn't until I read it. The body isn't really preached about much, is it? When was the last time you heard someone preach about the body, the physical body? And yet, every single one of us has got one. So they must be quite important. Now, some people love their bodies, okay, to the extent that they idolize them. You know, they keep looking at themselves in the mirror. They take themselves off down the gym and spend too many hours down there. They always look in the mirror. They might think about getting plastic surgery. I mean, that used to be a really taboo subject, didn't it? Plastic surgery. And nowadays, everyone seems to have Botox. And nobody raises an eyebrow. Oh, they got it. Oh, they got it. I know, you, yeah, we need, where's Dave? We needed a on the drums, didn't we? Seriously, though, we do need to be careful with this type of stuff because anything we idolize, the Bible says God really hates. In fact, it actually says God will curse it. That's frightening. He's a jealous God. We should never think that our bodies are, are more important than the, one who, than the one who actually gave us our bodies. Okay, And then there are those who complain about the bodies. Oh, I'm too fat. I'm too thin. Oh, my hair's too thick. Mine's too thin. All these daft, stupid things, and I'm one of them. I wish I was healthy. We shouldn't have big thighs. We shouldn't have big ears. The list goes on. Some of us have been criticizing ourselves our entire life about certain parts of our body. But has that part of your body changed? No. So why don't we start affirming that part of our body and see what happens? Maybe we'll feel better about them. Who knows? And then there are those who actually hate their bodies to the extent that they will go into self-destruct mode. They might be overeating. They might be undereating and starving themselves. They could be cutting. They could be binge drinking or just taking drugs or whatever. 
And I don't say any of that to judge those who hate themselves because I would expect probably that nearly every single one of us in this building at some point in our lives had one part of our body that we really didn't like. I managed to develop an eating disorder in my 30s after my first child because I wanted to get back down to the weight that I was before I had her and I put on three stone. So I literally starved myself, literally. And it took a non-Christian to tell me that I had an eating disorder and that was a real wake-up call from God for me. Let's not confess negative stuff over these bodies, these things that God gave us. These earth shells. King David had a revelation about his body. Psalm 139, 13 to 14 says, You formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside. And you wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything that you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord fearfully and wonderfully made. David knew his body was absolutely brilliant. He could see that he was a created miracle from God. That's what every single one of us is. Now, to be fair, he had been a little bit blessed. It says in, in Samuel that God, God had made this guy ruddy and radiant. Uh, I mean, some people just have it all going on, don't they? But he got it. He just got it. Now, I'm no scientist, but there are some incredible facts about the body that I want to share with you. For example, did you know that for our eyes to properly focus, the lens has to change shape, and in a single day, our lenses can change shape over 100,000 times? Compared to other animals, we have a big brain for our bodies. The gray part of our brain is folded to fit into our skulls, and if we flattened it out, it would cover an ironing board. Our ears never stop growing. That was a revelation to me, because I always just look at my granddad and think, my, your ears are massive. <laughs> and, now I, and now I know why. We have 60,000 miles of blood vessels, which is enough to stretch almost two and a half times around the earth. The tongue has between 2,000 and 8,000 taste buds. Apparently, we're one centimeter taller in the morning when we first get up than we are when we go to bed because during the day, the soft cartilage between our bones gets squashed and compressed. Every minute, this is gross by the way, we shed 30,000 dead skin cells. So uh, you're just mixing in each other's skin shells where you sat today. Lovely, isn't it? We have 5 million hairs on our body, and only about 100,000 of them are on our head. And I've left the best till last. We fart enough in one day to fill a party balloon. <laughs> oh, and we wee enough wee every month to fill a bath. So there you go. But let me bring in some teaching before we get practical. In Romans 12, 1 to 2, Paul urges us to present our bodies dedicating all of ourselves, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is our rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. Paul continues and says, and do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, 
that which is good, acceptable, and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Now, I'm not sure if you guys are picking up what I'm picking up from those verses, but I think the word is actually saying here that what we do with our bodies determines how much we appropriate of God's will. And that if we don't present our bodies to him, we won't be in a situation to find out his will for our life. But if we do present our bodies to him, when we meet God's conditions and present our bodies, he renews us in our minds so that we can find out the will of life. Has anyone ever had the revelation that our bodies are connected to the will of God? Staggering. Now, when Paul says, present your body as a living sacrifice, as we've already heard from Kathy this morning, for those of us who are in Bible in a year, we're in Leviticus and there's blood being splattered around all over the place. It's horrific. But when Paul says, present your body as a living sacrifice, he was referring to the sacrifices made in the Old Testament when the Hebrews would sacrifice a goat or a lamb and they would place it on the altar and kill it. And then that body of that animal belonged to God. And in the same way, when we place our body on the altar before God, it no longer belongs to us. It is God's. And, it, well, and it's a big but. We have not been called to offer our bodies as dead. Okay, so there's going to be no blood splattered here today. We're called to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. We don't need to kill ourselves, but we do need to present ourselves before God, especially if we want to know his will for our lives. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 says this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you have received as a gift from God, and that you are not your own property? You were bought with a price. You were actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and made his own. So then, honor and glorify God with your body. You know, one day we're going to have to give an account for our life, for everything that we did with this thing here. Now, some of you might think, well, I've not done anything wrong with my body. Well, well done. Well done, you. Highly improbable, but good on you. But I think the majority of us know that we haven't always treated these bodies the way they're meant to be treated. Our bodies house the Holy Spirit. And if we know that, how then can we still go ahead and use and abuse this thing that God has blessed us with? If they're temples, surely we should be treating them with reverence, with respect for our creator. Paul, speaking to the Christians at Philippi, says, For there are many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, who live as enemies of the cross of Christ, rejecting and opposing his way of salvation, whose fate is destruction, listen, and whose God is their belly. Their worldly appetite, their sensuality, their vanity, and whose glory is in their shame, who focus their mind on earthly and temporal things. This is the message paraphrase. Those who live on dead end streak, street make their bellies their gods. Belches are their praises, and all they think about is their appetite. <sighs> whose God is their belly? Whoa. Does that describe anyone here? This morning, I am purposely putting my hand up. Yeah. Let's look at our worldly appetite for a minute. I, I just want to concentrate not on the sensuality, not on the vanity, but on what we're actually putting in our bodies. Let's look at our stomachs, our eating and our drinking habits. And remember, 
If we don't maintain these bodies, they will deteriorate. They're on loan. They house the temple of the Holy Spirit. This might be pretty basic to some of you today. But the word says, do not merely listen to the word, but do what it says. We have to apply this stuff to our lives. We either use our bodies well to the glory of God, or we lose our bodies to the clutches of the devil, and they will deteriorate. And trust me, I've been there. It doesn't work. Not worth it. Not a good place to live. So question, why do we eat so much fast food and waste money on stuff that we know isn't going to do us any good whatsoever? It's rhetorical. Don't answer it. We know, we know, because it tastes brilliant, it's convenient, and it's cheap. But we should eat things that are good for us. Little spoiler alert, sugar is amazing, tastes great, but it's not good for us at all. Too much of it not only affects our weight, but it also increases the risk of 13 types of cancer. 13 types of cancer, just for putting a bit of sugar in your body. That's a word for someone here this morning. I'll let you in on a little secret as well. When, when um, COVID hit, Ali and I started doing the keto diet, which is high fat, and literally no sugar whatsoever. I never felt better physically on the keto diet than I do any other time. But the minute I put sugar back in my body, my joints hurt. So I know for a fact that sugar isn't good for me. It's weird, isn't it, that we eat and drink stuff that we know isn't doing us any good. It's just weird. Why would we do that? I wouldn't go out and have a fag, because I know that's not going to do me any good. Why would, I, why would I do it with sugar? Now, the flip side of our bad diets is that the retailers and the advertisers, they, they try and sell us all this super stuff, don't they? Superfoods, multivits, supplements, and while they may help with a healthy, balanced diet, they're actually there's no medical research that any of this stuff works, you know. I mean, I take about eight tablets. I rattle. It's 7 o'clock in the morning, and I'm rattling with tablets. Cod liver oil, primrose oil, multivit for perimenopausal women. I've got it all going on. I don't know if any of it works. Maybe I should stop and see if I feel any different. But none of that stuff was around when Adam was on the planet. Adam didn't need a cod liver oil for his joints. I truly believe that the food that God has put on the planet is the food that we should be eating. It's the good stuff. I, I, honestly, I think if we were just eating the stuff that God put on the planet, not all the stuff that's got the added ease and whatever in it, I bet we'd be fit as fiddles, you know. Definitely wouldn't need supplements. But it's not just what we put in our body. 1 Corinthians 10.31 offers us a simple instruction that I doubt many of us here are doing. And it says this, and I wasn't either, so I'm not, Kathy prayed it and I asked her to, I don't want anyone to feel condemned today. It would be great if the Holy Spirit convicted a few of us, because we need it, and myself included. This has been hard, writing this, because it challenged me as well. But it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. Do you? I didn't. I don't think about God when I'm tucking into me Big Mac. We don't talk about this kind of thing in church. We should. Because I think sometimes we're a little bit illogical as Christians. 
people come in and we love them and then they get saved and that's amazing. And then we're like, you know what? Be really good for you to quit those fags now. Quit the booze. Come off the drugs. Holy Spirit will help you. When was the last time you challenged somebody on their eating habits? I'm going to come back to that in a few minutes. You've only got to look at Daniel and his mates in the Bible to work out these guys had it right. Daniel said, I mourned for three entire weeks. I ate no choice tasty food, nor did any meat or wine enter my mouth. Daniel could have had steak and chips with the fat on. That's my favorite bit. Every night. They were put in front of banquets. He could have had jam roly-poly for his pudding. He could have swigged it down with a bottle of beer. Probably couldn't have done back then, to be fair. I don't think beer was invented. But he could have had a glass of wine. But he chose to go without. He chose fruit, veg, and salad. Now, I always start my year with the Daniel fast. Where's those sheets? There you go. There it is. That little bad boy there starting on the 15th. Heaven help you. I'm encouraging you to try the Daniel fast. It is the hardest thing I do in my entire year, but I challenge myself to do it every year because I'm a bit like Paul in the Bible. I like to buffet my body a bit and just, you know, bring it into submission and just be really self-controlled from time to time. And so the first 21 days of the year is me always eating fruit, veg, and salad. They say that when you do it for a long period of time that you really get into it and love it. I haven't quite experienced that yet, but I'm believing for it. But I challenge you, could you give up the things that you like, the nice, tasty, choice food for 21 days for God? Knowing that he gave his one and only son to die for us on a cross and all the things that Jesus had to go through before he even got to the cross, could you not just not have that Big Mac for 21 days? I challenge you, it's hard. Interesting though, having looked at the way Daniel ate in the Old Testament, when you move into the New Testament, there's Jesus. And he absolutely loved his food. He was even accused of hanging around with the gluttons and the drunkards. In the Gospel of Luke, there are no less than eight dinner scenes. I'm not going to read them, but you can go and read them for yourself. So much of Jesus' life and ministry happened around a table. He just loved eating with people. He loved his food. And when I was 21, I really loved my food too. And I had to go and have four wisdom teeth out. And I got back from the dentist. Mama, all right, mum. And she said, okay, I'm so glad that you've had your four teeth out because that means you won't be able to eat for a few days and now will be a really good time to tell you that you're fat. <laughs> that was exactly how it went down. I it's etched into my memory. That was seven days before Christmas. On Christmas Day, I had the biggest parcel to unwrap out of all the family and I was so excited. I thought, what on earth is in that? And when I opened it, it was a hamper. And it was full of every single Weight Watchers product you could ever imagine. It was rammed to the brim and a pair of scales. Thank you, Mum. But I need to tell you that by the 1st of May, I dropped three stone. And what my mum said to me 
single-handedly goes down as the best piece of advice she ever, ever gave me. Like, wounds from a friend can be trusted, right? I didn't have an issue about the size of my body back then. About, I don't know, 30 years ago, you look at these poor girls today having to make their bums look big and everything in the gym. I don't get it. Like, that, that just wasn't a thing 30 years ago. You didn't, people weren't that bothered about their body image, certainly not like we are today. The way they look at themselves in the mirror and stick their lips out and everything, oh, it drives me insane. Anyway... We need to challenge each other with this stuff. Because we're great at... Me and this one are great at this. We'll be like, right, we're not having any cake today. Oh, we know we're not having any cake. We're not having any cake. So we get into a coffee shop and we're like, look at that cake, look at that cake. <gasps> we're not having any one. Should we just... Should we share? No. no, let's just have one piece each. It'll be fine. That's how it goes. And we, we encourage each other in the wrong way. But when was the last time you actually turned to somebody and said, Lord, I don't, mean, I don't mean to be horrible, <laughs> but you need to do something about the way you look. Because it's not just about the way you look, it's how it makes you feel and it's what it's doing to your body internally. It's, it's how we treat our bodies. Some people are big and they cannot help being big and they exercise every day and they eat a balanced diet. That is just one of life's very unfair things. And some people are thin and have abs and they don't even work out. And that is wrong. <laughs> it's just unfair. But that's the way it is. Okay? And we just got to get over it. The problem with food is eating's like an everyday occurrence, isn't it? When people come in and say, you know, give up the drugs, the fags and the booze, they don't need them to live. But we all have to eat. And we have to eat every day. Otherwise, we'll be starving. But we have to protect these temples can't live without food. But we need to get that revelation of the connection between eating and God. If you go back to Genesis 1, you get more detail about the vegetation, about the food, than almost anything else. And as I mentioned earlier, the word says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I think this means that we're not to be a slave to the things that we put in our body, that we're not to idolize it either. But it's all about balance. In that same chapter, one of my favorite Bible verses says, all things are permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Let me read the full thing. All things are permissible and legitimate for me, but not everything is beneficial, profitable, helpful, wholesome, constructive, or edifying. In other words, you can eat whatever you want, and there is no condemnation whatsoever. But some of the things you are putting in your body are not doing you any good. At my brother's funeral, there was a shed load of cake. My brother was a Slimming World genius. He used to win Slimming World Man of the area that he lived in every year. But he loved cake. And so he'd said, at my funeral, I want everyone to eat as much cake as they can. And a couple of weeks after that, I did eat as much as I could. A couple of weeks after that, I was round doing a pastoral visit with somebody. And some of you are so lovely, Chandra that when you go to see them, they make sure they bake before you go because they know how much you love certain things. And this particular woman had baked cupcakes. I love butter icing. She baked these cupcakes and uh, I had one with her and I said, can I take one home? 
So I took one home. And this is, this is in my thinking, this is what I'm doing. I'm like, if I have one today, then that's, that's an amount of calories. And then, so if I have that tomorrow, that's a new day. So it doesn't count on yesterday's calories. So that's all right. So I'll have it tomorrow. That night, I had a dream. And in my dream, my brother came to me. He'd not been dead. Sorry, he died of a brain tumor. Um, he'd not been dead that long. And he came to me in a dream. And it was so vivid. I'll never forget it. It was definitely a God thing. But he looked at me. And he pointed to the cake on my desk. And he just went, eat the flipping cake. Just eat the cake. Eat the cake. Sometimes you do just have to eat the cake. As long as you're balanced. Look at those people on the Titanic. I wonder how many were on a diet and refused a pudding. And then they drowned. I am going down with cake in my belly. Balanced amount of it. But I'm going down with cake. Do you know, I've got so many other areas I really, really want to touch on, and I know I'm running out of time. I want to look at the eyes, but I haven't got time. The world tells us that if they're healthy, our whole body will be full of light. Our hair, not needing to have elaborate hairdos. Our faces, how beauty comes from the inside and not the out. Our sexual organs, how the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for marriage. Our hearts, the control center, our core, from which all our decisions are made, and our tongues, and I'm going to finish with this. Um, Sandy, I'll get the band up. Proverbs talks about 150 times about what we say and how we use our tongues. And James tells us the tongue is small, but it makes great boasts. And that with the same tongue, we praise and we curse. My dad often used to say to me when I was growing up, if you haven't got anything to say, don't bother opening your mouth. He was so right. My mum and dad said some really harsh things to me. I think I need to have words. But he was spot on. We should use our tongues for the right reasons. For wise counsel and sound advice. To speak rebuke and reproof and encouragement and to witness to others. And then there are, of course, the wrong uses of the tongue. Flattery, quarrelling, gossip, lying and foul language, and I want to touch on this because I, I need to get this off my chest. I hate swearing, absolutely hate it. I used to swear like a trooper, and on the day I got saved, I asked God to take that away from me, and he did. But I go into environments where I hear it a lot. You hear it on the telly all the time. Nobody seems to bat an eyelid about swearing anymore. I hear it at the football. I'll be singing a forest song, and I'll, I'll, I'll never not sing a song. If Forrest is singing, I'm singing. And there's a lot of Forrest songs with a swear word in. And as soon as it gets the swear word, I'm literally like, Vroom. and then I start singing again. And he's like, why? That's not, that's not a good witness. No one's looking at you saying, oh, she doesn't sing the swear word when we get to it. Nobody, you know, we're watching the game. But it's not about them. It's about me, my conviction, and what I do before God. If you swear, please don't do it in front of me. I won't say anything to you, but I don't like it. I don't want to hear that sort of thing coming out of our mouths. We're called to be set apart. We're called to be different. We're called to stand out, not to blend in and join in with conversation that isn't good. You might say, well, it's harmless. Oh, it's just what I do. Oh, it's habit. Oh, it's culture. 
Well, we're not called to conform to the culture of this world. We're called to be different. If you've got an issue with this, you can pick that one up with me later. But let's use words that are going to build people up. When was the last time the F word ever built anybody up? Including yourself. Let's use words that bless and build. I said I was finishing, and I really am. Just one more thing concerning the body, exercise. Let me just touch on this, and then I'm really done. I think I could preach for six weeks just on the body, easily. But here's a random but quite interesting stat for you. Did you know that the percentage of Americans that own running trainers but don't run is 87%. 87%. I remember hearing the story of an old lady who was just hit in her 90s, and she thought she'd better go and get a checkup from the doctor on her 90th birthday. And she went in and... She, he said, how can I help you? And she said, I just, I'm 90, I just want to check up. And he says, just tell me about your day. What's your day look like? Well, I work, I walk for five miles a day. What? The doctor says to her, you're 90, chill out. Sit down. Enjoy being 90. So she went home and took his advice and she was dead within six months. Now, we don't know whether it was just because she was old or was it because... She took his advice and chilled out and didn't look after her body the way she was. Who knows? But there's enough research out there to tell us that if we are physically active, it, it can improve our brain health, help manage weight, reduce the risk of disease, strengthen bones and muscles, and improve our ability to do everyday activities and generally help us live longer. So let's aim to protect the temple of the Holy Spirit. Are you finishing off? Oh, you both? Oh, hello. She's arrived. I'm going to close with this, and I want to give opportunity for a response today by asking, have you ever actually presented your body to God as an offering, a living sacrifice? Have you ever placed your body on his altar and said, God, this body isn't mine. It belongs to you. I need your help. There's some things that I know I ought to put right. Or even if there isn't, just committing your body to him. He might ask you to stop doing something that's damaging your body. He might ask you to take your body to another area of the world and become a missionary. He may ask you to change the habits of a lifetime. I don't know. It could be hard, but actually with God's strength, it might be easy. But as we sing this last song, don't just talk to him about To take out a row just feel free to come forward and maybe maybe use this platform as an altar and come and kneel and just say lord i'm offering you my body today you might be doing it for the first time you might be doing it for the 15th time and if you need ministry because this is a really sensitive subject and i know that the prayer team are ready not just these two there's a load of people scattered around with their prayer badges on Will you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to sing our last song, Come to the Altar. Heavenly Father, we submit ourselves and commit ourselves to you. We declare that you are our personal Lord and Saviour. We're sorry for the ways in which we may not have treated our bodies the way you would want us to. And we acknowledge that these are temples that house the Holy Spirit. Show us, Heavenly Father, where we are going wrong and gently point us in the right direction and give us the grace to move forward positively and help us to put some stuff right.
Jesus' name. Let's sing.